Have you ever set a big audacious dream or goal for yourself in January, all gung-ho to crush your New Year's resolutions, only to find yourself getting burnt out and giving up just a few weeks in? Yeah, me too. You're definitely not alone. But this year, I want to teach you how to do things differently. I'd love to invite you to join the One Bit Don't Quit Habit Challenge and Free Coaching Week so that we can start the new year off strong together, one baby step at a time. Visit CoachKaya.com to get started and join the One Bit Don't Quit Free Habit Challenge and Coaching Week so that we can kick off this new year together, one baby step at a time. Hello there, beautiful humans, and welcome back to the show. I am so happy that you're here, and boy, are y'all in for a treat today. It's the beginning of a new year, and I thought it would do all of us some good to bring on a dear friend of mine who inspires me like no other, and I just know that she'll inspire you too. Today's guest is Jill Angie, the founder of Not Your Average Runner, a badass community of women breaking the stereotypes of what it means to be a runner. She's an author, a life coach, and all-around badass, helping thousands of women all around the world silence their inner mean girl, build their strength, and grow self-confidence in ways they never imagined. Let's dive in. Hello there, beautiful friend. I'm your host, Kaya, a cattle rancher turned accidental life coach after embarking on my own health journey, losing over 100 pounds, but most importantly, rebuilding my relationship with myself. Now I am more on fire than ever to empower others to create a healthy life that they love from the inside out by sharing the tools, tips, and strategies that I've learned and continue to learn along the way mindset, health, body image, self-love, entrepreneurship, and more. We're here to chat about climbing the mountains of life all while finding joy in the journey. Welcome to the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. Now let's get climbing. Okay, climbers. Now, before I let Jill introduce herself in her own words, I need to spill the beans on how I, I would say manifested this friendship with her. It was, I think about a year into my health journey, after learning that all of those quote unquote truths that I just knew to be true about myself and my abilities were actually total BS, I decided that I really wanted to continue to challenge those identities that I had embraced for myself. And one of those was the lie that I am not a runner. I really believe that deep in my bones ever since I was a little girl. And if that's a belief that you have about yourself too, hold on to your seat, folks, because we are going to unpack that in this episode. Anyways, I had a lot of work to do to challenge that limiting belief, and that is when I discovered the Not Your Average Runner podcast that a friend of mine had shared with me, and I instantly fell in love with it. Jill was witty. She called me out for my crappy thinking. She cursed like a sailor, and she challenged me in such impactful ways, and she didn't know that I existed yet, but she was absolutely one of my closest friends and personal coaches speaking goodness into my earbuds while I was on my walks, my jogs, and my first attempted runs. And I remember I'm I'm as as I'm recording this I'm actually in my husband's childhood bedroom and I remember so vividly that one day while I was visiting my in-laws in Kentucky I decided to work up the nerve to reach out to Jill on Instagram and y'all I totally fangirled when she responded back to me and basically we've been best friends ever since and I'm so grateful for it I'm so proud of myself for manifesting this friendship and without further ado Jill welcome to the show <laughs> That was fabulous. I love I love that you manifested this friendship. I love that we're like I feel like I'm best friends with all of my podcast um listeners, but I just I just love how extra you are and how like you took it to a whole new level because that is that's that kind of stuff makes me smile. So thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here on your show. 
I know. I mean, let's talk about that. (laughs) I know. I had dreamed of having a podcast for a long time, and I feel like I get to live vicariously through being a guest on other people's shows, including yours. Y'all go back and listen to that one. But man, it feels so good to be able to bring you on my own show, Jill, and I'm just so honored to have you here. Thank you. It's like when you buy your first house and you just want everybody to come over and visit. You're like, yes. look, look at my kitchen. Look at my living room. <laughs> like, come oh. sit, talk to me. So yes, fun. I love that. That's such a beautiful way to describe it. Okay. So Jill, I would love for you to introduce yourself in your own words to our listeners that maybe haven't had the privilege of knowing you or following you yet. Who is Jill Angie? Oh my gosh. All right. Well, I'm not sure I can do better than the amazing intro that you provided because I I want to be introduced like that everywhere <laughs> where I go that was fabulous but I mean basically I'm a I'm a plus size middle-aged lady woman who uh helps other plus size middle-aged women start running and build confidence and um just really feel different about themselves feel more athletic feel proud of themselves. Like I, I, I love like helping, helping women like myself realize that, you know, you're not too fat. You're not too old. You're not too out of shape to do the things that you've always wanted to do. So yeah, I mean, it's so funny when people ask me what I do for a living, I'm like, I don't know how fat middle-aged women start running, but like, that's literally it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fun. Oh, I love it. And I just, I love what you do so much and I feel so personally connected to your mission because I feel like we're really aligned in what we do, but you have done that for me in a really big way. Before I started coaching, I started listening to your podcast and gosh, you are just so good at what you do and you have fostered such an incredible community of women that are learning to love themselves again. And like, I can't think of anything better in the world, really. Now I got to ask you though. Have you always been a runner? Is this like, did you always know that this is something that you'd end up doing? Like, was your path always to here? How did you get here being a a plus size middle-aged woman helping other women do this too? Yeah, I had no idea that this is where I would be in life. I mean, I went to, so I'm, right now I'm 54 and I spent, gosh, 20 years in the pharmaceutical industry. So I went to school, I got degrees in chemistry, regulatory affairs, like all the things. I went to work helping companies get drugs approved. And I did that for about 20 years. And the entire time I was there, I, you know, had all these thoughts about, wow, if I could just be thinner, if I could just get a promotion, if I could just like change all these things about myself, I could be so much happier. But spoiler alert, I wasn't like I made a ton of money, still miserable, like lost a bunch of weight, still miserable, gained it back, still miserable. Like It was like, oh, none of these things that I thought were going to fix me would fix me. And then that when the magic happened, it's so funny. So I, I actually started running when I was in my late 20s and I thought, OK, I'm going to start running because it'll help me lose weight. I was wrong. <laughs> but I started finding that I liked moving my body and I was really embarrassed and ashamed of how I looked and I wasn't very fast and and all the things. So I would do it like late at night, you know, after dark, I didn't tell anybody what was going on, but I was doing it. And I was, I was finding that, that it was one of the things that really like moving my body really brought me a lot of joy, even though I had a lot of mental baggage that went along with it. And so at some point 
in my, I guess it must've been in my 40s, my early 40s, I, I hired a personal trainer cause I thought, okay, I want to, oh my gosh, I know what it was. So I, <laughs> I signed up to do one of those three day, 60 mile breast cancer walks. I don't know if they still do them, but back in the day, it was the thing. And you walk 20 miles a day, three days in a row. One of my friends talked me into it and I was like, oh my God, I'm going to have to like really like lose some weight and get in shape if I'm going to walk 60 miles in three days. Cause it sounded impossible to me. So I hired a personal trainer and started working with her and she just shifted all of my beliefs from, I need to be smaller to be worthy to like, Hey, maybe you're okay just as you are. And we can make your body stronger and sure, you know, I can help you lose weight, but like, let's really focus on the mental aspect of it. And she just kind of blew my mind because I'd worked with personal trainers before. I'd worked with fitness professionals before. And they were all like, yeah, go hard or go home. And, and she didn't have that approach. She had a much gentler, much more empowering approach. And I think within three years of starting to work with her, I had quit my corporate job and I'd open a personal training studio because I was like, oh, this is it. This is what I was you know, meant to do in this world. So that was a very long-winded answer to your question, but... Um, but no, I didn't, I didn't, I hated running when I was in high school and I figured out how to do it in a way that I loved. And then I got the mental piece and it all sort of came together. Mm, I love that. You know, I just think it's so fascinating to hear people's stories in general, how they came to do whatever they're doing in their career or the path, because I think it's so easy to look at someone and be like, okay, well, this is what they do. Maybe they've always done this, but I just think it's so funny how things end up working out. And um, I love your story and how that happened. And I think it's also so cool to think back about like the individuals that touched your life along the way to really kind of help you change that direction. And I do wholeheartedly believe that you were one of those people for me, Jill, in my path to becoming a coach as well. So thank you. Oh, that's so fun. I, I love when the people that I've spoken with or worked with in some way end up becoming coaches because I feel like that's just that's just making it more available to everybody to to you know become the person that they want to be. So yay, I'm so glad. Yes. Oh, I love that. Okay. So I want to talk about like I feel like this is the elephant in the room. Maybe not even the elephant in the room, but I think that the number one thing that people might be thinking right now if they're listening to this, maybe they're at the start of their health journey or they're trying to, you know, embrace more movement, but maybe they're like how I was and they're like, "No, there is no way. Like I am not a runner." I believed that so strongly in my bones growing up. Like I remember the only class I ever got a B in in high school was PE because I couldn't run the mile. I didn't finish the mile. I like I hated it with every fiber of my being. And I know that there's probably some listeners out there that feel that same way about running right now. So what do you say to people who say, I am not a runner? Or maybe they're like, I like the idea of becoming a, rather, a runner, but maybe they have those excuses like you mentioned earlier of I'm too old, I'm too fat, I'm too whatever it is. What do you what do you say to people that that feel that identity so strongly? Yeah, I think that there's some confusion out there that, the definition of a runner is that you have to be thin, that you have to be fast, and that you have to run without stopping. And one of the things that I think is different about how I coach my runners is I teach them to do the run-walk interval approach. And so you run for a short period and then you walk for a short period and you kind of repeat that. And that's a way for a lot of people to become runners in a way that's accessible. And it's funny because people say, oh, well, I'm, I'm a wogger when I do that because I walk and jog or, or I'm not a real runner. I'm like, actually, you are because 
I know some ultra runners and an ultra runner is somebody who does a, you know, a, a race that's like 50 miles long or hundred miles long where they're like literally out there for not just a few hours, but like sometimes a matter of days. And guess what? They use the run walk approach. So I'm like, if you're going to tell me that some guy <laughs> who runs a hundred miles isn't a real runner because he takes walk breaks, like I, the conversation is over. So I, like the run walk approach is just another way of being a runner. And that's how I like to introduce it to people. And then, yeah, they might go on to do it to do it differently later on, but it's a way to kind of explore whether running is for you in a in a a manner that doesn't feel harsh or punishing or overwhelming. Yeah. I love that. And you know, I think that sometimes we have this resistance and maybe it's a little bit of that black or white thinking or that all or nothing mentality of if I don't do it perfectly, then I don't get to to wear that identity yeah. or it doesn't count or it's not good enough. Yeah. I, I mean, I think perfectionism is – people think that, oh, perfectionism means that you have high standards and that you're always trying to be the best, and then that's a good thing. But I actually think per perfectionism really holds us back because we have this belief that if it's not perfect, then we can't do it. And that that leads to a really small, frustrated life. <laughs> Yeah. Rather than like, like I'd so much rather go out there and be messy and imperfect and get to try all the things and see what I really like. I love that. And I think that that leads perfectly into this other question I really wanted to ask you because as we're recording this, it's the beginning of an, of a new year. And that means that there are a lot of people out there who are setting new year's resolutions. And I think so many people start out the year with these big, big goals and I'm all about setting big goals, but maybe they have a little bit of that perfectionism mentality that ends up getting in their way. But I want to ask you, Jill, do you have an opinion about New Year's resolutions? <laughs> I have opinions about everything, but yeah, <laughs> I do. I do. I just, just as an aside, I saw this like meme on Facebook today that it was somebody saying like, hey, for all you people that got in trouble in school for talking too much, what do you do for a living right now? I'm like, hmm, podcaster, because I have opinions on everything. Um, <laughs> anyway, yeah, I do actually just recorded a podcast on this because I think that, you know, for a while, the, and it's so driven by the fitness and diet industry, of course, but you know, everybody's like, you gotta, you gotta set like big resolutions. You gotta go big or go home. And, and so we, we come at this with like, I have to do all the things. And then we have this perfectionist mindset. And as soon as we like F something up, then it's like, well, I messed it up. I got to wait until January 1st of next year to do it. Right. Or I got to wait till the first of the month. Or I got to wait till Monday. And I, I think that's kind of the wrong approach. And, and, so now I feel like there's this sort of media backlash against resolutions saying you should never set a resolution. It's terrible for you. And I'm like, no, resol the resolution isn't the problem, right? The decision to, you know, become a runner in 2022 or lose weight in 2022 or whatever, like that itself is not the problem. It's our belief that we have to be perfect, that we have to do all the things at once, that if we mess something up, it's like we have to quit. And then, and also I think that, when we set resolutions, like sometimes I, I've set really big goals and failed spectacularly at them, but I'll look at the byproducts of what it, what like reaching for the goal gave me. Like I trained for a marathon a couple years ago and I, I mean, that was way out of my comfort zone. I blew my own mind with the training. And when the marathon came, I didn't finish that day. Like 
it was sleeting. It was cold. <laughs> I, my feet were covered in blisters and I was like, no, I'm not, this is not how I want to run my first marathon. So I call it 13 miles and I said, I'm done. But the strate- the byproducts of all of the training of setting that goal and going after it were huge because I learned so much about myself and I created a lot of mental tools for myself to get through long training runs and so forth. So I think a lot of times we think the goal, whatever the resolution is, that is really the important part. And I'm like, yeah, the goal is nice, <laughs> but the goal is just a moment, right? The goal is yeah. like, it's so, so much less important than the byproducts of achieving it. And so I think one of the mistakes people make with setting resolutions and and pursuing them is they miss out on all the good stuff because they're so focused on whether or not they hit the goal exactly. Oh, man. Preach it, girl. I, I love that. And I think you know, we do, we put so much of this emphasis on the goal, but the goal isn't even the most important part. It's like, and I've heard people talk about it when it comes to running a race. It's like crossing the finish line of a marathon isn't even the most important part. Like that's just 26 miles after how many hundreds of miles you've had to run in the process of training for it. And it's really more about the transformation in the person you become along the way to achieving or maybe even not achieving that goal that is the most important piece. That's the good stuff. Yeah. That's, and I think, you know, just speaking in terms of the marathon, the entire time I was training, the way I kept framing it for myself to keep myself focused on, because I, I mean, I honestly was like, I don't know if I can do this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I had quite a bit of doubt, but I kept saying to myself, like my goal this year, and this is a few years ago, is to train for a marathon. At no point did I say my goal is to run a marathon. I was like, my goal is just to train for a marathon. And guess what? I accomplished that. And I feel like, like if we were, if, if we could reframe our goals in a way that encompasses all of the work, like the language that we use when we talk about our goals to encompass all of the work that goes into it, rather than just putting all like that one moment of achievement as, as like the goal, I think it it shifts your belief in yourself. It allows you to start looking at at it from different ways that don't make you feel frustrated if you don't achieve it, I guess. Does that mm. make sense? I'm, I, I'm not sure if I'm making sense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I think that that makes, makes perfect sense. And one of the things I wanted to ask you too, kind of building off of that is how does language and the way we speak to ourselves or speak about our goals or, or what we're doing, how do you think language affects I guess the actions that we do or don't take or how we feel about ourselves in the process, because I think that we, I don't think we pay much attention to the language and how we're talking about ourselves. Like even for example, like when we wake up in the morning and let's say that you, you know, I had intended to go for a run today. And if the first thought I think in the morning is, oh, I don't want to do this. This is going to be so hard. Like that language, it changes the way I feel about it. Right. Like, can you talk to me a little bit about how you feel language affects our lives, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think the language that we use either when we're speaking it out loud or writing it down, or even just saying it in, in, you know, in the context of our own mind is everything because the, the sentences that we speak, the thoughts that we have 
drive the emotions and our emotions drive our actions. So if you wake up in the morning and the first thing you think is, ugh, I don't want to go for a run today, well, you're going to feel, I don't know, resentful or resistant. And then I'll tell you what, the action that you take when you're feeling resentful is probably not putting your shoes on and going out the door. It's probably saying, screw it. I'm going to stay in bed. I deserve this, right? It's Mm -hmm. like this sort of rebellious sort of, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? <laughs> I can't find the word. Oh my God. Menopause. I'll tell you what. It's uh, it's just like a rebellious back and forth that sort of happens in your brain. And so, yeah, language is important. And I think like waking up in the morning and saying, oh, I don't want to go for a run today. And then having sort of a, a backup thought to go or a way to reframe that. So like, I don't want to go for a run today and that's okay. I can still go. Or I don't want to go for a run today, but I want the, I want the feeling of having gone for a run. So I think like creating like, like it's not that you're never going to have the thought, I don't want to do this. Cause I'll tell you what, like I've been a runner for 25 years and I still wake up and think I'm not, not in the mood. <laughs> it's like, nobody ever feels like putting on their gear, going out when it's 32 degrees and like run and it's hard and you're sweaty. It's like, nobody's excited about that, (laughs) but we all want the result of it. So I think, yeah, the language that you use when you talk about yourself and when you talk to yourself is, is so important. And, And if you can imagine somebody else saying it to you and what your reaction would be, if somebody came up and said, Oh, I don't feel like hanging out with you today, you'd be devastated. Right. But when we say that to ourselves, we're like, oh, okay, well, I guess I don't have to go for a run today. Like, no, no, no. (laughs) Yeah, it totally, it totally impacts everything. And I know that, you know, in your community, you talk a lot about, it's not just about like, how do I become a runner? How do I create a training plan? But so much of what you do with these women is really the mindset stuff. Yeah. I mean, running is 80% mental at least, right? It's like anybody can find a training plan on the internet and follow it and run. But the, the, like the magic isn't in the combination of miles or all of that. I mean, yes, there is some magic in that. And I feel like I'm, I'm pretty good at that. But the, the real thing is like, you can have the best training plan in the world. And if you can't get your ass out of bed in the morning, it doesn't really matter mm-hmm. <laughs> whether yeah. your training plan is great or or terrible because you're not executing it. And I think so much of our life, like you could have the best, the best intentions. What's that saying? You know, like something's built on good intentions and oh, it's like totally escaping me now. Me too. <laughs> um, best, it's like that best laid plans or whatever, yeah. right? Like we yeah. all we all have the best of intentions, and it's the action that really gets the result for us. But the action is the hard part, right? The action is the part that most people struggle with. So yeah. And the, and our actions are driven by our thinking. Absolutely. And that's, that's even like, I think the foundation that, that so many people miss the mark on, you know, they just think I just need to know how, if I just had the plan of what I need to do, then I could figure it out. And it's like, no, I think most of us actually know what we need to do. The problem is our shitty thinking that's holding us back to take the action that we already know how to do. And speaking of action, so I know we talked about the New Year's resolutions and how perfectionism can get in our way. And I think, you know, when it comes to action, I think it's more than just, you know, taking action once, but it's really about creating consistent action. And I want to know, do you have any, I guess, tips for people who are really trying to build some of that consistency 
this year when it comes to their new goals? Yeah. I mean, I think the first thing to to develop for yourself when you're trying to create consistency is compassion. Because if you've been inconsistent in the past, there's nothing magic about January 1st that you're just going to like wake up and suddenly because you want to become consistent, you will, right? You're still going to have all the same thoughts and feelings that you had on December 20th, (laughs) right? You're still going to have those same ones. So I think like creating a little compassion for yourself and saying, all right, I'm, this is the year I'm going to, you know, I'm going to become consistent and I'm going to mess it up. And that's okay because I'm going to learn from it, right? Rather than expecting that if you're, you know, it goes back to perfectionism, right? So I think coming up with, instead of expecting perfection, create that space for messing it up and then become curious, right? And so, okay, I, I tried this. I messed it up. Why? What was I thinking? You know, I wanted to go for a run. I woke up. What was I thinking that drove me to not go for a run or not do the exercise or whatever? And so I would say start there rather than saying like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to exercise every single day in the month of January because I think that's really hard to go from from inconsistent to consistent and expect that it's going to be easy. And for some reason we think that January is like this magic time. So Consistency, I think, starts with compassion and curiosity. And then it starts with understanding, right? So like that curiosity of like, well, what was I thinking before I decided to stay in bed and skip my workout? Or what was I thinking before I ate that food that I knew isn't going to lead me towards my weight loss goal or whatever it is? Like, What was I thinking? Why was I thinking it? And is there an alternative thought that I could have? in that moment. And this is like, I'm kind of like simplifying down a lot of the work that I do, but is there an alternate way that I could think like, okay, I wake up and I think, oh crap, I don't want to go for a run today. But like, what's a counter proposal that I can create for myself? Like, well, yeah, but if you go for a run, you're going to feel so good later. Right. Like, and like bring that feeling that you might have an hour from now into the present moment and think, oh God, I really like how I feel after I go running. So, all right, I'm just going to get up and just do that. Or I'm just going to do 10 minutes and then, you know, I can build from there, right? Like I'm not going to expect that I'm going to go for a 45 minute run today. I'm going to go for a five minute run today. And that's going to be like checking off my consistency box for the day. Yeah. Oh, so good. One of the things that I love that you said when it comes to consistency is it's almost like this is the time of year when I think, you know, and I'm even doing a challenge this year, the one bit don't quit challenge, which is really about building consistency with small one habit, just one thing. I love that. But I almost feel like what we all need is actually a lesson in we're going to teach you how to fail. (laughs) Cause I think that that's the part we're so bad at. We're so bad at knowing how to fail and not make it mean that we are a failure and give up altogether. It's like, we need to learn how to fabulously fail our way forward. And it's almost like that's the real lesson in it. Not how to be consistent, but how to fail and not let it completely derail us. Yeah. I mean, I ask my clients a lot, like, okay, if you knew that if you failed at something a hundred times, that the hundred and first time you'd, you'd be successful. Would you be willing to fail a hundred times? And it's funny. Cause a lot of people are like, yep, absolutely. And then other people are like, no, no, I like at 10 times is my max. I'm like, all right, well that it kind of just gives you an understanding of how 
first of all, how badly you want something and right. Like when you frame it, like, okay, how many times are you willing to fail before you succeed? It's like, it shifts it into the, oh, that failure is part of the process and not necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean stop. Like I think failure is not a stop sign. It's a, it's not even a yield sign, right? It's a green light. It's like, keep going. (laughs) Yeah. And I think it's too, you know, I know hindsight's always 2020, but when we look back at our life and some of our failures, I think it's easier for us to say like, oh, it's actually a beautiful thing that I failed then in this way, because look at what helped me avoid doing later on down the road. You know, like I do believe that failure is one of the most crucial pieces of any journey because you don't learn from succeeding all the time. You learn from failing a lot and just continuing to move forward. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a book, um, the woman's, the author's name is Carol Dweck and it's called Mindset. And it really, it really touches on that. So if anybody has not read that book, it's so, it's so freaking good, but it's very much this concept that the people who are truly successful in life are not the most talented. They're the ones that are most willing to fail and keep going. Mm. Right. And I look at some of like, you know, I mean, there's a lot of talk right now about how billionaires are terrible people, but I look at some of the billionaires in our world and I think, oh, that's how, right. Like that's how Elon Musk got to be a billionaire. It's not because he's, I mean, he's naturally talented, but he's willing to like blow up rockets. (laughs) So that like he can figure out how like, okay, that didn't work. All right. Like it doesn't mean if your rocket blows up that you shut down your company. You're like, no, we got to build another rocket and figure it out. Right. So like failure is failure is a good thing. Like it really, really is. I'm like, I'm just like, bring on the failure. Sometimes I get mad when I try something and it works the first time. (laughs) I don't get real mad, but I think, damn, I really thought that that would take a few more tries. But okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's like my wish for everyone listening is I just hope that you fail so much this year and yeah. you don't let it stop you. Yeah, exactly. Same That's here. my wish for you. Oh, Same so here. good. Y'all, it's here. It's finally here. I have officially launched my first ever online store and I am so excited that I just might burst. ShopCoachKaya.com is officially live and ready for you to explore. I have put together a collection of goodies to help you find joy in your journey of creating a healthy life that you love. Inside the shop, you're going to find things like water bottles, journals, stickers, graphic tees, jewelry, and so much more. These products are really a reflection of who I am as a person. They're motivational, bright, and a little bit ranchy. And the other exciting thing is that all of these designs were almost exclusively watercolor illustrated by yours truly. It has been so much fun to tap back into my creative side and create these products with you all in mind to share a little bit of joy for you to bring home to yourself. I'd love for you to go and check out the store, but before you do, I want to share a special little discount code for my listeners. If you use the code CLIMB10 at checkout at shopcoachkayat.com, you will receive 10% off your first order. Happy shopping! Um, Okay, I want to talk about confidence because this is. I think that this also connects to the failure piece because I think that when we... I think some of us think that the way we build confidence is like 
through success, right? And like, yeah, that kind of makes sense. But there's certain things that might happen that maybe diminish our confidence, like failing or messing up or whatever that looks like. So I know that you talk a lot about confidence. And I think that running has been a tool for you and your own self-confidence and the women that you work with. So if one of if someone's goals or wishes for themselves is like, you know, I want to, I just want to feel more confident in my own skin, or I want to feel more confident in my abilities. How, how do you, what do you think is the secret for us to really build confidence and how do we continue to build confidence in the face of failure? Oh, that's such a great question. So I think, first of all, I think confidence, we, we are often mistaken thinking that first we need to succeed and then we'll be confident, right? But like, it's kind of twisted, right? Because if you need the confidence to be good at something, then you're never actually going to succeed because <laughs> it's like, right, it's kind of putting the cart before the horse. So I, I like to think of confidence as an emotion that I feel as a result of my thinking. And so while, yeah, like if I'm, for example, you know, training for a marathon or something like that, I might not be in 100% belief that I can do it. But I, I have thoughts like, well, I know that I'm tenacious. I know that I'm going to keep going. I know that I'm really good at learning from things. And I know that even if I fail, I'll come back around and try again, right? And so for me, confidence isn't so much the belief that I'm going to succeed as it is the belief that I've got my own back, that I'm a worthy human, that I have a lot to offer, right? Like I think confidence is just more about like who you are as a person and not your un unerring belief that like you're going to be successful at everything mm, no matter yeah. what. That is such an important distinction. And the, the one thing you said that really jumped out at me is confidence is knowing I have my own back. Yeah. That is so crucial because I think that that is applicable no matter what circumstance you face in life. Yeah. Even if you fail miserably, like you can still feel confident that you've got your own back. Yeah. I mean, I failed miserably in my own business yesterday. This is, this is kind of an aside, but I had, I'm running this seven day start running challenge. It's amazing. It just kicked off the day before we're recording this. 3,000 women signed up for this challenge. Oh, it's like mind blowing. Day one, my email system got overloaded and only sent out a thousand of the, the emails instructions. To, and so I had 2,000 people who were like, yeah. So what am I, I signed up for this challenge. What am I supposed to be doing? And I feel like my, my first thought was like, oh, there's a solution to this. I'll figure it out instead of, oh my God, what am I going to do? Mm-hmm. I've just failed, right? I've, I've got all these people in this challenge and they're all looking at me and I failed and blah, blah, blah. I was like, no, there's a solution, right? And so I feel like that's, that's confidence. It's not that, oh, I know all the answers. It's I, I've got my own back. I know that I'm smart and resilient and that I'm, I'll take care of myself. And so I I think, yeah, I really think that that's really what confidence is, is that belief in yourself as, as a human who can figure things out (laughs) as a few, as a human, that's not going to beat themselves up for failing. Yeah. Now this is maybe a loaded question, but how, let's say someone that's listening to this is like, I but I don't feel that way right now. Like I, yeah. if someone is like really struggling at ground zero and they're like, I have a hard time believing that, where do I start? 
Yeah. I mean, that is a great question. And I think you start with like, what is a tiny little piece of that that you can believe? And maybe, right? So if the, if the goal is that you want to believe I always have my own back, maybe you start with, well, there was one time in my past when I did have my own back. Mm -hmm. Right. And you can kind of look at something, a small example, and then practice thinking that and then start looking for evidence of where something's happened that went that went unexpectedly and like, oh, actually, you know, I kind of rose to the occasion and and fixed that. And, yeah. and so you can start building a little bit of evidence for yourself. But really, like and this is what I teach to, to all of my clients is changing the way you think and believe about yourself is is literally just a matter of practicing thinking those thoughts on purpose over and over again right because the beliefs that you have now it's not like they were installed in at birth right you learned them over time by hearing other people say them and thinking them yourself and like kind of repeatedly having those thoughts in your brain and so if you want to change them it's just a matter of practicing new thoughts and you just kind of have to do it on purpose and yeah. i think the process of like looking for little bits and pieces of evidence is a great way to do that. And then start small and then like work your way up the ladder of belief. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's really all about the baby steps. Even if it's building belief, if it's building a new habit, because our thinking really is, it's a habit, it's habitual. And we've just trained our brains to continue the current thinking and to undo that and believe something else. It's going to take baby steps and consistency as well. So I love that. And another thing that I'd say too, is I love the idea of looking back in your past and finding evidence. And also like we can create new evidence too, even if it's like, what is one thing I can do today to have my own back? Like what's one thing I can do for myself today to like deposit one more coin into my self-confidence bank? Yeah, I love that. Right. And like create opportunities for yourself for sure. Totally. Totally. It's like, it's almost like I think about it as like rebuilding our trust in ourself. And mm -hmm. one of the ways we can do that is when we say we're going to do something for ourselves, do it. Be someone who keeps their word, right? And I think part of that is also not setting ourselves up for failing too horribly by creating unrealistic expectations, which is why I believe so strongly in baby steps, right? Like maybe the one way that you have your back today is like drinking an extra glass of water because you know you've been really dehydrated and like feel good about that. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. Um, and, and I think like it just ties so beautifully into resolutions because what is a resolution that you can make that you're like, I know I can do this. There's mm -hmm. no question in my mind that I can drink one more glass of water a day or, you know, go to bed half an hour earlier or wh like whatever it is. Like, I think when we're setting up resolutions, creating a realistic expectation and not, I mean, realistic is not the best word, but like a, an uh, so I like to call it sometimes the drama threshold. Like there's a, there's like a place in your brain where you say like, yeah, I, that's not going to happen. That sounds really hard. I can't do it. I'm scared, whatever. Right. Mm -hmm. And that might be exercising seven days a week. But maybe if you say I'm going to exercise one day a week, there's no drama in your brain about that. So keep your resolutions below your drama threshold. <laughs> Ooh, I love that. The drama threshold. That is good. That is so good. I love that. So Jill, this podcast is called climbing, climbing with coach Kaya, because I really think that when we, all of us are climbing some kind of a mountain, maybe we're climbing multiple mountains, but we're all on this journey climbing something. And I know that you are a very goal oriented person personally and professionally. And I'm so curious, what is, what is one of the mountains or a couple of the mountains that you feel like you're really working on climbing this new year? 
um, one of the mountains, and I, I think I'm just in the foothills right now, is I want to help a million women start running. And I want to do that through uh, through a class that I teach. It's like a 30-day learn-to-run class. So I want a million women to take this class. And let's see. I think about 2,000 have taken it. So I have 999,000. <laughs> I can't even do the math, right? So I'm definitely in the foothills of that. But like that's sort of a, a sort of my Mount Everest because I kind of feel like if I can have a million women take this course, like that's a that's a pretty big legacy to live on the world. Like that's a, a million women that have found new confidence in their life and kind of blown their own expectations out of the water. So that's I yeah, I guess that's my mountain. And then my other one is um so these are these are kind of like they sound so like small and insignificant in comparison to like a, a million women, but the two fitness goals that I'm working on right now is one, I want to be able to deadlift my own body weight. Um, or I'm sorry, I want to be able to deadlift 200 pounds. Eventually, I'd like to be able to deadlift my own body weight. But by the end of this year, I want to be deadlifting 200 pounds. And I'm at, I'm, I'm like just cresting into 130 pounds right now. So I've got a little ways to go, but I got a year. And then the other thing that I'm working on is being able to do an unassisted pull-up, which I think like for a, for a very plus-size woman like I am is like, it's one of those goals that I want to be able to stay. See, like, like everybody tells you you're too fat. You got to be skinny to do a pull up, blah, blah, blah. And I just want to prove people wrong and just say like, Hey, like there is no such thing as a body that's too fat to do anything. Like let's, let's just be crazy and do like a, an unassisted pull up when you weigh like 250 pounds. So um, yeah, so those are my two goals, which is so funny because they're, my fitness goals are actually not running related this year, but um, yeah, they feel like really exciting and juicy to me. Super fun. I I love I love those goals. I love those dreams and thank you for speaking them out into the world here with my community. I would love to be able to do a pull up. Yeah, I I need to work on that. I'm nowhere close. I'm like I can hold on the bar for a second, but I think that those are beautiful goals. And a million women, oh my gosh, Jill, I believe in you with all of my being and I personally have gone through this course and Y'all, it's it's incredible. It is absolutely incredible. And I know that it has helped me so much in my own, in my own journey when it comes to running and just my own self-confidence. And I think that, I mean, I know that you're already changing the world, Jill, but just imagining a million women going through that, like, God, that will make waves. Waves. Yeah. I mean, I, I want to show up to a race and see just like a whole bunch of like run walking plus size women just like leading the pack. <laughs> yes. Oh, yes. Gosh, I love that yeah. so much. Okay. So I, I want to ask you a little bit more about this because there might be people listening being like, okay, you know, maybe one of their goals is to run this new year or they want to challenge their belief about their ability to be a runner. Tell us a little bit more about um, that course because it's, it's, it's open right now, right? Uh, yes, it is actually. So it's called the Rebel Runner Roadmap. And it's it's basically a 30-day course for anybody who is either new to running or maybe coming back to running after some time off, or even somebody who sort of is struggling. They're they're thinking like, I'm running, I'm not making any progress. And it's it's a it's a great jump start for that. But it's it's geared towards um, running form. I mean, we talk about like the technicalities of running. So breathing and pacing and running form. Um, we talk a little bit about strength training, um, and stretching and so forth. But then I also dive into a lot of the mindset tools that I teach that are going to help you 
stay consistent, right? Because it's not just about knowing how to run. It's about actually doing the running. And that's where most women struggle. It's most people actually struggle with that. Um, so a good like 50% of the course is devoted towards helping you create motivation for yourself, create confidence for yourself, um, and create consistency in your running practice. Mm. And I'm going to link it to the show notes. So if you guys are interested in checking out this course, um, open up the show notes. There's going to be a link over there for you to check it out. And when do the doors close for people to join? January 17th. So you have until January at midnight. <laughs> at midnight. Um, so January 17th, again, that is the Rebel Runner Roadmap. I cannot say enough good things about this course. And just about Jill in general, she is, I mean, obviously, you know, you've been listening to this whole podcast. She's incredible. And I will also say too, um, first of all, thank you for listening to this podcast. But another one you need to subscribe to immediately is the Not Your Average Runner podcast. It is just the perfect, the perfect pep talk motivation. And she is so funny. It's so funny. She has such inspiring guests too, but turn it on to your earbuds when you go out for your run walk intervals and you will be so glad that you did. Yeah. And I think they should start with the episode that we did together. Oh, I agree. Do you remember what number it is? I, have I no don't idea. know offhand. <laughs> I will, how about I link, I'll link that under the show notes as well. Yeah. So you guys can go and find that easily. So check out the Rebel Runner Roadmap course, especially if you are wanting to start your running journey or get back into running if it's been a while and check out that podcast episode as well. Jill, I want to ask you another question. And it's, this feels like maybe I should have given you some time to think about this, but you're good on your feet. So <laughs> if there was one thing that you could make all women out there in the world know deep in their bones, what would that be? Uh, I mean, it would have to just be that your worth has nothing to do with your body size or your accomplishments or anything that you are just, you are just an amazing, worthy human based on your very existence. Mm, I couldn't have said that better myself. I knew you'd, I knew you'd have a perfect answer <laughs> without any prompting. Gosh, you're so good. Um, Jill, is there anything else that you would like to share with my community before we wrap up? this wonderful episode. Um, I just, thank you so much for listening and, and for, for being here. Thank you for having me on the show. I just, I think that giving yourself the opportunity to try running in, in a way that feels good to you could be a game changer for you. So I want to encourage people, even if you've said to yourself, running is not for me, I, you know, I'm my, it's my knees, my whatever, right? Like, just give it a try. Give it a try the way I teach it, whether or not you join my class, like just try to run a little and walk a little, run a little and walk a little. And like, just see how powerful you feel when you're done. Because I, I do feel like the world, <laughs> the world needs more women that feel confident and powerful because I think it would be a happier place if, if all of us women just kind of were like, you know what? fuck the patriarchy, <laughs> right? Like we're done with that and we're just going to take charge of things. So I like my goal is to just create this army of badass, confident, powerful women who run. <laughs> I would love, I would love to have more people join. So, so give it a try and uh, yeah, maybe I'll see you. I love that. I love it. And, and I just think too, you know, both of us, I think, are just examples of what's possible. I know for me, if you're someone who's resisting the idea of running, I, I see you, I feel you, I am you, I was you, but 
giving myself permission to um, really challenge that limiting belief absolutely changed my life and what I thought was possible for me. And trust me, friend, if I could do it, I have not run a marathon yet, but I did run a half marathon, which I absolutely never, ever, ever thought would be possible for me. And it's so funny because I remember, so me and my best friend, Jessica, we ran a half marathon during COVID. So all of the races were canceled. And my husband, Brent, he was our pace car. He like drove out ahead of us and he was our hydration station and had snacks for us. We had little pit stops for him. We made our own race, our, our own race map. And when we got to, I think it was the last mile of our half marathon, we were both looking at each other and we said, these are the miles that matter and or or these are the miles that count. It's something that you said in a podcast episode, Jill. And we were like screaming it from the top of our lungs <laughs> and just like both Jessica and I, and um, we just have been avid listeners of your podcast. And we both were like, we're convinced that we were best friends with you before I actually got to know you. So I, I just can't say enough good things about it. And I encourage you to challenge that limiting belief if you find yourself saying that you're not a runner because you can be no matter how old you are, no matter how much you weigh. And if you need some extra encouragement, you have found the right woman for it because Jill Angie is a game changer. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thanks for being here, Jill. I am sending all of you listeners so, so much love. Check out the show notes for the link to join the Rebel Runner Roadmap 30-day course. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. And also check out the episode that Jill and I did on her Not Your Average Runner podcast, also linked in the show notes. And we'll see you back here next week. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of the Climbing with Coach Kaya podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please hit subscribe and leave me a review sharing what you loved most. Come hang out with me on Instagram and Facebook to keep the conversation going as we continue to find joy in the journey. Until next time, I am cheering for you, friend. Keep climbing and we'll chat soon.